Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode number 19. This week on the episode, I've got Hope Vista of the band Vista. Uh, we had a great conversation. Um, really enjoyed my time talking to her. Looking forward to what this band is is doing. Um, I'm going to tell you guys right now, you need to put them on your radar. You need to start looking at them. You need to go like their social medias, become a fan, because this band has it, and it's just a matter of time before they blow up. I'm telling you right now, they are going places. Again, we had a great conversation. We talked about everything from her dance studio and you know become or being a dance teacher uh the new music video the history of the band um mental health it we went all over the place uh they've got a bunch of good plans for the rest of this year as far as tours and releasing more new music and i can't wait to bring you this episode so we're going to keep this introduction pretty short and here's our conversation with Hope of Vista. Hello. Hey, Hope. It's Josh. Hey, Josh. How are you? Good. You? Good. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, glad that you were able to do this. I appreciate you guys taking the time. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's just me, actually. But thank you so okay. much for um, for being willing to talk to me. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, basically, what we're going to do is just kind of a, a standard, you know, presser slash get the news out type of uh, interview. You know, you guys just released the new EP and everything, so wanted to talk oh. to you about all that. Awesome, cool. So, to start with, we're going to do every interview question that you've ever been asked in your life, and that is okay. your name and background and kind of what you do in the band. Yeah, uh, my name's Hope Vista. Uh, Vista is my middle name, so that's where we got the band name from, um, and I am the lead vocalist. Awesome. And kind of a little bit of background. You guys have been around for a, a few years now, um, just kind of haven't released a, a new album or anything in the last couple. Is that right? Yeah. We um, Before we started this trilogy era, era, the last EP that we released was in, I think it was July of 2017. So it was about a little over two years before we dropped another EP. Awesome. Um so let's talk a little bit about kind of your background within music, um, how you got started and how you kind of made the decision to go the direction you went, genre and kind of musically. Yeah, for sure. So I started doing solo stuff very, very young. I was writing music, I think starting when I was like eight years old, but I was singing when I was three. So it was kind of just always around. My dad was a musician, so I just wanted to be like my dad. Um, and I was always, you know, hearing him play music, so it was kind of just um, natural for me to gravitate towards being a musician. Um, but I started doing solo stuff for real when I was in college, and I think my first single was released, it was so bad, it was like an acoustic iPhone demo that for some reason I decided to put online, um, and I think it was released in 2011, it was called Take the Hit, and from there I did like a bunch of really horribly recorded singles like they were so bad that no one is ever going to see the light of day um <laughs> with those songs again i have them on a flash drive like hidden away in my drawer they are terrible 
Um, but it laid a lot of foundation and, it, you know, it, it really helped me kind of, you know, figure out who I am as an artist, what I wanted to be. Those recordings weren't something that kind of matched the artist that I am. So, you know, it, it helped me lay that foundation down. And then I started, you know, moving towards, um, you know, creating a very kind of like pop punky, like power pop kind of sound in 2014, 2015. Did that for a little bit. Um, and from there, I kind of realized it wasn't working the way that I wanted it to. I wanted to find a challenge. I wanted to continue to evolve. So I decided to form Vista in late 2015, right before I actually released my last solo EP, which was called Prevail. And I loved that record. That record was was so fun for me. I did it with um, this production duo called VK Productions down in Atlanta. And they do Mayday Parade. They had done All Time Low, set it off against the current, you know, bands that I really, really loved. And now they're really great friends of mine. Um, and they also did two Vista songs. But once that record was released, it was like full throttle Vista. Um, and it has been ever since. So a little bit over four years now. Awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the musical stylings of Vista. You've kind of yeah. got this, you know, dark synth, um, but still the almost pop punk rock feel to it. Um, mm -hmm. kind of what inspired that, you know, that m kind of morphing of those two? Yeah. So when Vista first started, it was a totally different lineup than it is now. Again, this is years ago. So, you know, it's been a very, very long time since the original lineup of Vista was Vista. But when we first started, it was like a very pop-punky kind of feel, um, which was reminiscent of the last solo record that I did. So it kind of was an easy transition. There wasn't much of a difference there. Um, once our guitarist Greg joined the band, which was in, I think it was like August 2016, which is crazy now, <laughs> thinking about how much time has passed, um, you know, we really started to sit down and develop the branding for the band, which the original lineup we hadn't done. There wasn't much development there. Um, but Greg and I really wanted to sit down and, and ask ourselves, okay, well, how can we continue to evolve as an unsigned band? And how can we always continue to grow and experiment and, and try new things? So we decided to do, um, you know, we decided to morph more into this, like you said, very dark, synthy kind of sound. But we like to maintain very alternative roots. So we moved away from the pop punk pop punk what is puck? We moved away from the pop punk thing a few years ago after the release of the first Vista EP, which was called Versus. And um, we like to continue to evolve and experiment with with what what is that dark synthy thing sound like in, in different capacities. We'll keep our alternative roots, but but how can we expand on it and make sure that we're not doing the same thing every time? We've always said our music is like kind of sensual, which we like. You know, it's not it's not meant to be like a thing but we find power in you know um you know kind of like taking the reins in the sensuality of Vista's music we like to experiment with different tempos and and different lyrical ideas um so we're not constantly writing about the same thing so it's all about evolution you know we we continue to evolve with each release no release sounds like each other and I think we really like that and I think it's important to us to make sure we always continue to grow sonically yeah awesome um, so over the, the, you know, period of the new version of Vista, the, you know, the, um, kind of the trilogy, like you said, um, yeah. within the different EPs that you've released, like you said, it's kind of slowly evolved and, and morphed over time. Um, what would you say of all your tracks so far, uh, 
under this trilogy is the the like song if you're going to introduce somebody to the band this is the song that you have to hear i would probably say that's such a hard question because they all sonically sound so different like if you listen to all 10 of them and you listen to both records so far back to back it takes you on like a very big sonic ride Mm-hmm. So I would probably say the song that ties like together every piece of Vista would be a track on the ruins, which is called I Don't Need Help. And I think that really ties together the theme of the trilogy, A, but B, also just exactly how much we like to experiment sonically, because the verses are super minimalistic, and they're very synth-based, very production-based. But, you know, also playing with percussion and also playing with, you know, different kinds of guitar riffs that are morphed into synths. You know, Greg does a lot of that, and I think it's super cool. Um, And then it it transforms into this very hard-hitting, heavy, almost like metal-influenced chorus, and we have a feature, which is the first time we've done that. So it really takes a look at, like, everything that we have worked on um, in terms of our instrumentation and production, but also lyrically definitely highlights the overall theme of the trilogy so i think that's probably the song that i would say to listen to awesome um so just released the the new ep called the repair um that came out about a roughly a week ago now right it was actually almost it was three weeks ago today it was february 14th and the music video for the lead single dirty laundry just dropped this week that's what i was thinking of gotcha yes um so with with that uh a, that song was instant for me. It went on, I do a um, playlist that I update every week called Weekend Waves because I'm unoriginal and that was the best name I could come up with. I like that. I've never heard that before. Um, so, you know, you guys are featured on that playlist um, with that song. And I think for me, that song was just this really cool, like, kind of cinematic feel especially with the video and the dancers and if i understood this correctly you actually those are some of your students is that right yes yeah those are some of my students they've been my students for three years now some of them awesome so um let's talk about some of the kind of the visual images throughout that video and and the symbolism that you wanted to portray yeah for sure and i love that you noticed that it's got a very cinematic feel for it because we've really kind of evolved into that direction of more of like a cinematic dark kind of feel um but that video in particular you know we hadn't done a music video since um a single that we did a few years ago called witch hunt and you know we had a really great experience um filming that video and we kind of wanted to see how can we show that we've again evolved from that video which was now almost two years ago um so for this one we wanted to keep it simple but we wanted to showcase a couple of things. The first is our live energy, because if there's one thing that we put a lot of emphasis on, it's the energy within our live show. We take that really seriously, and we've always you know, put a lot of just focus on making sure that our live show is as captivating as possible. So we wanted to make sure we showed people what we are like live. Um, and then you know, we really wanted to bring the op- or have the opportunity to bring in some of my kids and, and give them the opportunity to be a part of what we do. It's, it's really rare for those two like separate worlds to collide and they all know that I'm in a band, but they've never been able to, you know, be involved in it. So, you know, we needed kids that were older. So I do have many more students, but I thought that they would be a great fit because I knew they had professionalism and I knew that they were really strong dancers and able to pick up choreography quickly. So I had the opportunity to choreograph the video too. And that was really cool because I'd never done anything like that before. And the kids came into the studio with me at night and we learned it in, I think it was like, 
we did a little bit of it in one day. We finished it in less than, you know, two days worth of practice. So maybe about two hours of practice. And yeah, and it was, it was, everyone was so impressed. And I was like, yeah, they're literally 16 years old. Like they are crazy good and so professional. And, you know, my studio owner is who was training them before I came to the studio a few years ago. And she's just done an incredible job with them. Um, So it was great to have them be a part of that. And they were so excited. Um, But they were representing um, the demons that we're talking about hanging up in the song. Um, You know, in the song we say, uh, we hang our, hung our demons out to dry. And so they're representing that. That's why their eyes are, you know, covered in black makeup. And you can barely even see their eyes in the video. It's kind of like very demonic and creepy and eerie and dark. Um, and at the end, they all fall fall dead around me. So it's kind of like your demon's just dying off. Um, and you're standing strong in the middle at the very end of it, you know, amid the demons that you kind of expel from yourself. Awesome. And I think, you know, one thing that I noticed about it is is that sort of imagery um, it was very reminiscent to me of kind of like in this moment. Um, so they've got, you know, with her stage show, with Maria's stage show and everything, they've got the the girls that wear masks and, you know, hide their faces and stuff like that. And I thought that was kind of cool that obviously it's not a direct representation of theirs, but kind of just going over the top with the theatrics like they do was, was really cool to see because not many bands are, are worried about that anymore in the performance side of it. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that. I think, you know, with us, we always worry about the branding as well. So we want everything to be cohesive. We want everything to match up the music and the branding. And, you know, in those strong visuals, like I said, it's a strong representation of who we are on stage, especially with our lights. You know, we bring those lights with us on tour. Um, Greg made them and, you know, we've had them for a couple of years and now they're programmed. So they flash with the songs and it's just like, you know, we like to build a very full picture. And on stage, we're, you know, I'm very theatrical because I have a really strong background in dance. So to, you know, marry those things together, the live show and the visuals along with the branding, it's just, you know, I think the video is a complete representation of who Vista is and all the sonic elements added into it as well. I think it's a a good full picture of exactly who Vista is right now. Awesome. Um, The other song that that really hooked me was uh, No Nostalgia. (laughs) Let's let's talk about that a little bit with some of the the meaning behind it. You know, everybody interprets the words differently, obviously, but... Um, you know, I, I kind of took it from a past relationship, you know, point of view with mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, nostalgia is usually why exes get back together because it's the comfortable, easy thing. And you miss those good times that may not still exist. Um, yeah. kind of, I guess, was that the influence or what was the influence in that song? Well, it's so interesting that that was your take on it, because I think the importance of that song comes from its ability to kind of fit to anyone's story. Um, and that's kind of what we wanted with it. We know nostalgia can be used in, in all different aspects, relationships, friendships, you know, anything really. Um, so we like it cause it's open for interpretation. Um, in our case, I have always wanted to write a song about something very specific, um, that happened in my life a few years ago. I didn't really know how to word it, um, without sounding like a complete, um, <laughs> without sounding like an ass. Um, so I needed some time to kind of figure out how exactly I wanted to say what, we're talking about in that song and something that I've always loved is nostalgia and the reason why I love nostalgia is because I'm able to kind of live in those past moments of happiness when my present isn't so happy um, and it kind of drowned me for a little bit I was only focusing on on nostalgia and not really able to live in the present because my present was so sad and anxious and depressed and you know all of these negative things that I wasn't really able to face 
um, due to my, my father's passing a few years ago. So once I was able to kind of confront that grief a little bit more, I was able to see that nostalgia wasn't really helping me with anything, um, and I needed to learn how to live in the now. And that song in, in particular talks about losing almost all of my friends after my dad passed away. Once that happened, it was a very um, a very sad and very scary kind of situation, if you're not familiar with, with what my family experienced with um, the illness that he passed away from. So it was very overwhelming, and all of my friends um, at college and just friends in general kind of just abandoned me once I started experiencing grief because I wasn't going to parties anymore, I wasn't drinking anymore, I wasn't, um, I wasn't the fun, you know, carefree hope that I used to be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that it's addressing all those people that I considered friends and unfortunately lost, but I think in the end, you know, leaning on nostalgia of those people never really helped me. It kind of just held me back from, you know, being thankful for the people that I have now who are amazing. Um, and it feels good to, to really get that off my chest. Yeah. And I, you know, I lost my father when I was 19, so I, I can relate to that, you know, as well, where you think that you've got this huge network of, of friends wow. and support system, and then when something tragic like that happens and it affects you in obviously very negative ways, it's amazing how quickly that that circle shrinks. And you really yeah. come to find out that, these people are the ones that I should be with, not all of those, you know, that, that were around me before. Right. And it's terrible. I'm so sorry that happened to you as well. It's like, it's very, um, it's very sad to me when I hear that other people have experienced something similar, but it also shows that it's very common and it happens regularly. And that's why I felt like it was important to write about it. I, my boyfriend and I, we went on our first date three weeks before my dad passed away. Um, and he's, we're still together now, five years later. And he has been with me through every single process of grief and every single facet of it. And he's never wavered from me once, no matter how bad it's gotten. And, you know, that in comparison to the people that I had known for years and years and years and spent every waking second with, to see those people leave so quickly because they were afraid of the grief, you know, it just really shows who is authentic and who is not. So I don't like to really have, you know, a wide net of friends now. I keep the people that I have very close. Um, and I try to, you know, cherish those friendships as much as I possibly can. And now I'm, you know, living in the present with these people. So I, I like that that more, I think. Yeah. And I, I would agree. I mean, you know, like you said, it, it's very unfortunate and it sucks in the moment when you realize how many people you're letting go of or whatever. But at the same time, like, it's rewarding in a sense when you realize that there are people around you that, are willing to support your burden and kind of help you carry the weight of what you're going through. Yeah, of course. And I mean, you know, when I look at it now, I, for, for many years, I was trying to fight to keep those friendships. You know, I was rely, like I said, relying on that nostalgia and still reaching out to people who, who didn't really want anything to do with me because I wasn't the quote unquote same anymore. You know, nothing in me has ever changed. Um, as a human being, my circumstances have changed. So I don't think a lot of, people were able to really understand that or were honestly mature enough to, to understand that. Um, and now at 26, you know, I think it's a great thing to be able to have just a very small, close-knit group of people who I know I can, you know, I can rely on if need be, and, and they know they can rely on me if need be as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that's, you know, a very big focus for us here at, at You Make the Scene is mental health, especially in the music industry. Um Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the 
the struggles that you go through, especially as an independent artist, you know, not signed, and how the music industry with rejection and things like that kind of weighs on you and ways to balance that out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so, like, ironic that you bring up this topic because just, I think it was yesterday I posted something on Twitter um, about the current status of my mental health. I've always been very open about it because I think it sparks conversation, um, it sparks knowledge, and it sparks awareness. So I've always been very open about those things. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll be straight up. You know, my mental health has not been great the last few weeks. Um, you know, I've been dealing with some health issues related to anxiety that I'm currently working to kind of get under control. It's going to take me a little bit. Um, but I go through cycles. I've had, I, or I've known that I've had a chemical imbalance since I was very, very young because it runs on my dad's side of the family. And I was first diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder when I was just eight years old. Um, and I was also diagnosed with PTSD when I was eight years old. So it was, or it has been something that's been a part of my life for a very, very long time before the wave of social media, before it was really out there for people to just talk about regularly. You know, I remember back then in third grade, I didn't even know, I had never heard of anxiety and I'd never, I never met anybody who experienced similar situations or symptoms that I had and that made it worse, um, so now, because it's a conversation and because people are much more open about, you know, that kind of topic now, I like to be open as well because I think that, like I said, it's important to make sure people are educated on these kinds of things. So, you know, me personally, I haven't been doing the best, but I'm, one thing I find uh, to be crucial with mental health is awareness. If you're not aware of how, you're, how your body is feeling, how your body's reacting, um, I don't think it's really possible to get better. You have to be aware of where you're at. You have to constantly check in with yourself. Um, and a few weeks ago, I said, okay, I'm doing absolutely terrible. I need to ask for more help than my usual, you know, weekly therapy regimen. And I did. So it's a constant cycle, and that's something that I'm aware of. You know, I'm going to go through cycles for my entire life. It's nothing I haven't dealt with before. Sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's, you know, not as bad. But it's just something that I, I stay aware of. Yeah. And I think, you know, you kind of hit the nail right on the head with a few points in there where, you know, I, I bring this up with most artists that, that I talk to um, around mental health and the mental health awareness and, you know, kind of the, the common theme that it seems like we're all getting on the same page that the only way that mental health ever gets better is to talk about it and be open about it. Um, you know, for so long the stigma was that that made you weird or it was a weakness or whatever. And it's not that it's just a different type of, of battle that you have. And, you know, it's okay to talk about those things. It's more than okay to seek help and, and try to better yourself so that you can better those around you. And I think, like you said, being aware of kind of where you're at in your, your frame of mind and how your body feels and things like that is something that many people overlook. They just assume, Oh, I'm tired when there's probably another circumstance causing that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, for me, anxiety has always been physical. I remember being, you know, eight, nine, ten, and I was awake at 11 o'clock at night, which was, you know, the middle of the night for an eight-year-old. Right. And my heart was pounding out of my chest, and I thought I was dying. And I would go into my parents' room almost every night and, and be like, hey, something is really wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong. Um, I'm shaking and I, and I feel nauseous and my heart is just pounding. 
And my mom didn't understand, you know, or, or really know what anxiety was back in 2001 when this all started, but my dad did because he had anxiety. So it was, you know, like I said back then, I didn't know anybody who had it besides, I didn't even know my father had it because I was too young to understand. But um, it was very scary back then to, to be a part of that conversation before the conversation even really happened. And it, it's changed a lot over the last few years. I think a lot of people nowadays self-diagnose. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, instead of seeing a mental health professional, they turn to social media to, you know, try to figure out, quote unquote, what's wrong with them. I don't think that's the best route to go. I do think it's important to have those discussions and to be open about how you're feeling. But I don't think it's good to use social media as a tool to diagnose something. I think it's really important to make sure that, you know, if you're feeling unwell mentally um, or if you feel like there might be a problem, I think it's super important to get into a therapist or to a psychiatrist to really, truly evaluate, you know, what might be going on. Um, so to me, that's a big part of the conversation. I want everyone to, you know, make sure that they're taking care of themselves with a professional and not using social media as, um, you know, a professional tool, because it's not. I think it's a great resource, um, and I think the Internet can also be a great way to learn um, and educate yourself. But I do think it's important, too, to stay off social media for, for the majority of, um, you know, any mental health struggles. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's it's funny you say that because I, I think you're right. You know, a lot of people do self-diagnose and and kind of try to self-treat through social media. And to me, it's a lot like going to social media for any sort of mental health is a lot like going to WebMD for the common cold. Because if you just start plugging in symptoms, it's going to tell you you have cancer and you're going to die next week. Social media is going to do the same thing. If you don't get in and talk to someone that, you know, actually knows the the basics of it and the the true causes and things like that there's no way to to truly fix it yeah for sure and also i think what a lot of people don't really fully understand yet is the extent of what you know your mind can do to your body you know that's kind of what i've been dealing with the last few weeks is you know i've had a lot of circumstances i i'm a relatively healthy person the only health issues that i really have physically are asthma which i've had since i was three um and that's really it. Like I don't, and food allergies, that's really, you know, all that I have. Um, but anxiety has made me think that I have so many more issues because, you know, when my mind is not healthy, it makes my body ache and feel sick. And I've made myself physically sick so many times just from how much my mind is running rampant. And that's kind of what I've been, like I said, dealing with the last few weeks. I thought I had appendicitis. I thought I had, you know, all of these situations I've been in and out of doctors the last few weeks because I couldn't tell if it was anxiety or if something was physically wrong something did end up being physically wrong I ended up having an ovarian cyst um, which is getting better but you know manifested by stress and anxiety and I think it's really important you know to try and figure out okay this is this is anxiety this is you know this is nothing that I can physically take medication for this is something I need to I, I need to work on my mind that I need to meditate I need to journal I need to exercise stretch do whatever it is eat healthy you know to really set your mind on track it's not easy to tell the difference between what's anxiety and what's an illness that's something that I have struggled with for you know 15 you know 15 16 years now but I think it's really important to understand how powerful your mind really really is yeah. And I think, you know, within that, um, it's kind of trying to figure out where the benchmarks are. Like you said, you know, is this just anxiety or is there something else going on? And 
unless you go to a doctor and find out, okay, this was just anxiety this time, you're not going to know. So every time something goes on, you're just going to either assume the worst or just, oh, it's just my mind playing tricks on me and it may be something bad, you know? So that's where coming to a professional is, is vastly important. Yeah. And one thing, you know, having a, um, a parent who passed away from, from lung cancer, that spiked the, you know, the overall medical anxiety for me. And, you know, it's a logical reason to, you know, to kind of have my mental health trick me into thinking that something is really wrong, but it's kind of made me hyper aware of my body. And I remember, you know, when I was in high school, college, it was never nearly as bad. Um, so kind of having that experience and, and watching, you know, my, my most important person, you know, handle an illness that severe, it, it definitely made me hyper aware. So that's why I do like to still, you know, go to the doctor if I think something might be wrong. But I do also, you know, sometimes it's just very hard to tell the difference. But I, at this point, I am, you know, kind of, I, I do kind of understand when something is, you know, really might be wrong. Like with this, I kind of knew I had a cyst. So I was like, okay, let me go get it checked. Um, and I was right. So I, I'm getting better at reading my body. But I think it's, it is, like I said, important to try to get to know your body and your mind a little bit better and see how your, your thoughts impact what your body does. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, everybody kind of assumes or, you know, packages away like, the importance of meditation and doing yoga and things like that to, to kind of center yourself. It, it really does help with mental health and being able to distinct at that point, be able to distinguish, is this just my mind or is this my body? You know? So I think those factors are huge too. If you start getting that, that, you know, feeling, and you can probably speak to this a little better, but, you know, when your mind starts to race in that direction, taking the time to, to try to slow yourself down and focus on, okay, you know, what triggered this? How can I fix this? Things like that. Yeah, for sure. And I think also something I've learned over the last few years is to not be afraid of medication. Um, I think that, you know, I've had a few, few bad experiences, uh, like anxiety medication, years ago. And it made me very afraid of going that route for help. Um, but sometimes you need it. And so I think it's also important to recognize when you need it versus when you're able to handle it without. Um, you know, I'm at a point now where I'm not able to handle it on my own. Um, and, and medication helps balance, you know, my, my brain chemicals. And I used to get very upset about that. And I used to feel really ashamed. Um, I think a lot of, you know, social media culture now shames people for having to turn to medication. Sometimes it's just inevitable. And, you know, in, in my personal case, in my dad's case back then, in my family's case, it's, it's a DNA thing. It's a genetic thing. And unfortunately, my serotonin levels are not normal, like most people. Um, and I'm aware that sometimes I need a chemical reset. And that's okay. You know, I, I used to be very, very ashamed. And I used to hide that from people. And it still makes me very uncomfortable sometimes. I'm like, oh, why do I have to take this? This is so embarrassing that I can't just, you know, fix this on my own. Um, but again, it's part of that open conversation thing. And I think the more that people talk about it, the more it's going to be normalized. Yeah. And I, I think that's huge too, because, you know, like you said, medication still carries the stigma. Mental health in general carries the stigma, but for whatever reason, medication is still like way up there on the list for a lot of people as a, just a, a bad word or whatever. But when you really break it down and think about it, you know, it's just that your mind is sick, your, your 
chemicals are imbalanced, things like that, it's no different than somebody taking insulin for diabetes. Like, oh, yeah, everybody's exactly. body handles things differently, and some people need some extra support to, to do that. Yeah, and trust me, I do not, if I could choose, I would not take medication. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like my, my inhaler that I take every morning for my asthma. I need it because otherwise, you know, my lungs are, I'm going to start wheezing. I'm going to have an asthma flare in the cold weather. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing. I don't think that any type of medication should be, you know, one should be good, one should be bad. It's to help you um, with any medication, not just medication for, you know, mental health struggles. Anyone can abuse anything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the stigma kind of lies around medication like this, especially pills like Xanax. Um, you know, there are lines to things that I won't take. Xanax is something I won't take. Um, you know, but it, it, there's possibility to abuse anything. So that's why I think the stigma surrounding, you know, medication for these kinds of things, I don't want to say it's ridiculous, but I think it's a little unfair. Um, and I think it comes from a place of, um, you know, misunderstanding and a lack of knowledge and education. So, again, that's why these conversations are important because I think it's, it, you know, it's, it's just as much of an illness as my asthma. You know, both of them are things that I didn't choose. Both of them are things that are, you know, quote-unquote wrong with my body that I can't handle on my own. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's okay with me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about using music as, as a therapy, you know, with mental illness or, you know, the anxiety, things like that. How do you feel like, you know, being able to create art or even dancing in this case, you know, creating an art, how do you feel like that assists or helps, you know, change directions for you? Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to go, especially when I was in high school, um, and I was dealing with a lot of a lot of things at home because I, I grew up in a broken house, um, but I would sometimes go to dance and, you know, there were teachers that I, I still am in communication with to this day because they allowed me the chance to use dance as an outlet to come in and just there were days where I would come in and we would you know run dances and I would be crying while I was doing the dances and nobody would bother me nobody would you know pull me aside and ask me if I was okay unless there was a real problem but they just let me kind of emote the way that I needed to um and that was something that was really really special to me and part of the reason why I'm a dance teacher now is because I want to provide that same sense of security to the kids that I teach um you know my my teachers were absolutely incredible with just allowing me that safe space so that's totally separate from music but it's still you know something creative and working and you know being on the choreography side of it now it still allows me the chance to you know throw my mind into a physical creation and I love that I've always loved that and it's very important to me that I keep that as a very big part of my life when it comes to music I was writing songs at eight years old about I remember there was a song I wrote when I was eight called, it was called Tombstone. And I was, maybe, you know, I was 10 years old. I was in fifth grade. It was called Tombstone. And I was singing and writing about walking in a graveyard in the middle of the night and being miserable and depressed. And my mom found the lyrics and she was so concerned. Like she was, she was so ready to call up my therapist and be like, yo, she's going crazy. Um, but it was always a thing for me where I could just write whatever I wanted. No one could tell me no. I could just write whatever words were coming out of my mind and then leave it there, you know, leave it in the melodies, leave it in the in the chords that I was, you know, putting the melodies to. And I felt that was really important. I think now, you know, being in a band and being on the business side of it, it's definitely stressful. And, it's, you know, the, the amount of business work that I do, com- you know, compared to creative work for the band now, 
has definitely kind of, you know, uh, like stripped my passion a little bit, but I always find my way back on stage or, you know, working on the creative side of it again. So it's all, it's all interconnected. Yeah. Um, for someone that does as much DIY as you tell fans or anyone listening, really, um, a little bit about kind of what it takes or what your, I guess what your daily would be when it comes to the band, as far as, um, the business side, you know, trying to get your name out there more, things like that, like what steps to take? Oh God, this could be a whole six hour conversation. (laughs) So, you know, the DIY thing for us is not by choice. It's, you know, we just haven't found the right fit yet in terms of manager, booking agency. Um, you know, we've had opportunities that unfortunately didn't work out, but, you know, the DIY thing isn't a choice. But I do feel like, you know, in order to in order to have people approach you that want to work with you, you have to be willing to do the work yourself first. You can't expect someone to just pop up and be like, hey, I'm going to do the work for you. You haven't done anything, so I'm just going to do everything for you. It's not like that. You have to show that you have a strong work ethic. So that's the mentality that I've always had. If I want something, I'm going to work for it, and I'm going to do literally everything I can to make sure that my work ethic is established. Um, and it's not about people seeing my work ethic. It's about me feeling comfortable and confident in how much work I'm putting in. So, you know, from day one, I've always booked Vista's tours. I've always, you know, I did our press up until very recently where I passed passed it along to somebody else for the first time. Um, and, you know, in terms of socials, you know, I run the band socials. I, you know, I pretty much do, you know, everything business related. I pretty much handle all of it. It's very stressful. I won't lie. You know, if someone is looking to do something similar, it's going to take up a lot of your time and a lot of your brain energy, and it's going to make you feel very stressed out. But I've, I've always had a business mentality. So it's kind of just something, you know, I run a business myself. So it's kind of just something that, um, I, I naturally gravitate toward, you know, when I wake up every day, I'm always thinking, okay, what can I do today that's going to help out Vista? Even if it's something really small, who can I connect with? Who can I, you know, introduce myself to? Who can I email? Literally, is there anything that I can do? And it's all about brainstorming and researching. Research is a big part of it. You have to teach yourself how to do stuff. You have to ask questions, talk to people. You know, it's it's really important. And, and going to college really helps me with the research aspect of it. You know, I don't use my degree to the fullest extent, but I do take a lot of the skills that I learned and apply them to the band. So it's a daily thing. And I don't, I don't really think that there's ever a period when you're, when you're a band like us, who's unsigned, you know, relatively small, um, but has a lot of experience and, and wants to take steps up. I think that you kind of just have to expect to be ready to go at any time. Um, you know, I'm emailing people at three o'clock in the morning. I'm, you know, doing all these different things and still not knowing what the hell I'm doing half the time. But I think it's important to try and I think it's important to show um, what you can do on your own and that, that hopefully will, um, you know, draw someone's interest one day, the right person who wants to help us achieve the goals that we have. And um, I really, really hope that that's the case. But if not, then, you know, I can at least always say that I worked, you know, really, really hard for something that I have been passionate about since I was a baby. Um, and that for me is, is really special. Yeah, Absolutely. And how do you feel like doing those jobs, like you said, you know, up until recently doing your own press research and things like that, uh, how do you feel like that's armed you or maybe kind of protected you in some sense of 
others that are coming in saying, you know, promising all these great things maybe and knowing what really goes into it to kind of safeguard. You know what I mean? For sure, yeah. I mean, we had we have had experiences like that. We have been screwed over by people and, you know, people that we put our trust into. We've we've had people promise us things that they just unfortunately weren't able to do um, with no, you know, no ill will there at all, but just unfortunately weren't able to. Um, and it always kind of ends up back in our own hands, which, you know, it's, it is, I won't lie, and, you know, this is, for me, it's important to have open and honest conversation. It's very frustrating because we always say, you know, okay, well, what are we doing wrong? Like, what could we do better to make sure that these things don't go, you know, don't go wrong? What, what can we do? What are we not doing right? And it's very hard to kind of, like, twist your mentality into something that doesn't automatically place blame on yourself. I'm my biggest critic and I'm the band's biggest critic and I will, you know, I will beat myself up until I bleed. So it's very hard to shift my mentality sometimes, but, um, you know, I guess in the long term, it has protected us from certain things. You know, we're able to distribute our music when we want. We're able to, you know, branding wise, do whatever we want. Um, but it's not really about doing what we want for us. Like we want to take direction and we really want to, to have more guidance. I think the biggest frustration is when people say, you know, people that we've reached out to say, oh, well, it looks like you're doing great on your own. You don't need anyone. And I'm like, no, <laughs> we know how to make it look like we're doing great on our own. And that's part of the business is, you know, making making it look like we're doing really, really well. Not to say that we're doing bad, but we've learned how to kind of, you know, make things look good and make it look, um, you know, positive and, and happy-go-lucky when that's not really the case all the time. You know, part of the reason why I'm st- really struggling right now is because I've been really stressed out about certain, you know, certain stuff in the business the last few weeks. And I think that's just the, the reality of it. It's a very stressful business. Um, but again, like I said, I can only hope that, you know, one day the right person comes along and recognizes, um, the things that we have been able to accomplish and and say, Hey, I can contribute more and I want to help you guys. And, um, and we're going to keep working, you know, even if that day doesn't come, we are still going to keep working no matter what. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so we'll kind of getting towards the end here. Um, 2020 plans, obviously the new EP um, you guys have always been very active with tours and things like that. Kind of what are the, the plans for 2020 moving forward for what you can announce already? Yeah, uh, we're going to be on tour in April um, for the first part of the Trilogy Tour, which is going to be in the Midwest. Um, we're hitting a couple new markets that we've never been to before. Um, and it is our first um, real tour since last summer, the Electric Souls Tour, which is ultimately what almost broke up the band. Um, and we've kind of been very afraid since that situation happened um but i think you know we're ready to get back out there and i think you know we're approaching it very differently this time than we did with past tours instead of going on you know over month-long tours we're taking it chunk by chunk so we can have time to breathe in between um and i think that's going to really help everybody's mental health out a lot because i want to make sure that everybody is always in a good space mentally including myself you know it's about making sure that everyone's good, not just one person. So I think our approach is going to be really different this time, and I think that's going to help us. I hope that it helps us. Um, And if not, we'll make adjustments. But I do feel more confident, you know, going on those shorter tours more frequently um, until hopefully, you know, maybe someone invites us out on a a bigger tour or something like that. Um, So there's uh, that's in April. That starts, when does that start? That starts April 16th. Um, so that'll be cool. That starts in Mansfield, Ohio. We've never been there before. Um, and then 
when we're going to release the next EP, the last EP in the trilogy called The Revival, I think it's going to be, we haven't started writing or recording for that yet um, because we kind of push these two EPs out pretty close together. So I think everyone just kind of needs a little time to creatively revive a little bit. We have a new member now. So it's going to be our first record working with our new drummer, Mikey. He was in the band when their repair was released, but we had recorded um, that EP before he joined the band. So it'll be our first time, you know, working on a record with him, and that'll be cool. I'm really excited for that. Um, But I have no idea when we're going to get back into the studio. I'm going to guess maybe like summer sometime. We all need a little bit of a break, I think, mentally right now. So, yeah, that's really about it. Awesome. And I just pulled up the, the tour dates, so it looks like you're going to hit, uh, like, Chicago. Um, the Subterranean's super fun. I've been there a bunch. Um, the Irving Theater down here in Indy, so uh, I'll definitely hit you guys up about showing up to that show. Um, yeah, that place it's haunted. We love that place. Yeah, it's super cool. It's sick. It's creepy, but it's sick. <laughs> um, Legends over in Cincinnati is another super cool one. Um, and yep. then yeah, first time in Cincinnati, so we're excited about that one. That's a, a really cool venue for you. Yeah, um, cool. And then Lizard Lounge in, in uh, Pennsylvania, I've heard just awesome things about. So look, Yeah, we love... Yeah, it looks like you're hitting some, some really cool spots, so... Um, that's really all I've got for you today. So we'll end this with probably the second hardest every interview question. You okay. get to plug whatever you want to plug. <laughs> oh God. I feel like Vista has put out so many things the last few months that I want to plug like 30 different things. Um, I don't know if that's good or if that's bad. Um, definitely the new EP, The Repair, that just came out on Valentine's Day where, you know, we've been really excited about that. Um, that's on all digital streaming platforms. And then, of course, the Dirty Laundry music video, which we are all, you know, really, really stoked on. Um, so if anybody wants to check out, you know, Vista and as a full picture, that's probably the best place to start. Um, and then the first part of the trilogy tour in April, which we're really excited to, to get back out there again and show everybody the new live show. Awesome. So I'll have links to all your social medias and everything uh, in the description of the podcast. Um oh. Anybody that jumps on the website and looks at the Weekend Waves playlist, the video's actually linked in there as well. So, oh, awesome. yeah, we're, we're going to push you guys as much as we can because I'm digging the sound. So, I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time, Hope, and, uh, you know, yeah. can't wait for you guys to get out on tour and, and meet up. Thank you so much. I hope we get the chance to see you in Indy. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Yep. Yeah, bye. And that was our conversation with Hope from Vista. Um, I really enjoyed that conversation, guys. Really cool to have an artist that also, you know, was able to um, bring in dancers and and do the choreography for the video and things like that. Um, You know, obviously there are so many musicians and, and artists and creatives out there that are kind of multifaceted, but don't always get the recognition for those other areas where they excel or that they, you know, participate in. Um, So I'm a big fan of the video. Uh, Dirty Laundry, um, it is on the Weekend Waves playlist, um, as well as going to be linked in this um, podcast as well. Let me know what you guys thought. You know, uh, I think Vista is on the the rise for sure. I think it's just a matter of time before they break out and 
that you guys start hearing them a lot more, um, seeing their name, you know, a lot more. We're going to be pushing them because, um, quite honestly, I really enjoy their sound. I think they've kind of mastered um, this mixture of kind of a dark, you know, music and, and that cinematic feel like we talked about in the podcast, but also these lyrics that are still kind of edgy rock, uh, some a little bit of pop punk feel to them, things like that. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, it's, they're on the rise. They need to be on your radar now because it's just a matter of time before they're, they're blowing up. Um, obviously with the events that are going on, we're trying to pay attention to all the different, um, social distancing and, and the different things that are going on and, I'm not going to get political about it. I'm not going to get into it too much. But obviously it affects musicians as well. Um, at the time when Hope and I did this conversation, um, none of this stuff really was was out there, or, you know, not a big deal. Um, we did this conversation about 10 days ago, um, maybe a little bit longer. Um, so... It doesn't, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't seem like that long. But you know, with the events that are going on, so much has changed so quickly, and uh, I think it's just really important that you guys pay attention to the bands that you love. Um, their tours are getting rescheduled. Some of them are getting canceled. Things like that. Uh, we'll be paying attention to Vista and their announcements as far as how their tour is going to proceed. Hopefully, um, it'll be relatively unchanged. You know, we're obviously hoping that all of the bands are able to um, proceed with their plans. You know, tours take a lot to get scheduled and to book and to, you know, plan the logistics to what city, you know, what order the cities are going to be in and when days off happen and things like that, there's a lot that goes into that sort of stuff. Um, so events like this that cause delays in that or, you know, force reschedules or cancellations, it, it hurts the band too. As much as we as fans don't like it because, you know, oh, I had plans, I got a day off work or whatever, the, the bands are upset about it too, you know. This is um, obviously what they love to do first and foremost, but financially it's also taking money out of their pockets by not being able to perform. Um, so I just, again, really encourage you guys to do what you can to support your your favorite bands. A um, couple things that that I recommended the other day are just share their social medias, their Facebook page, their Instagram, Twitter, whatever, uh, because then your friends and, and family are going to see it, and you know maybe maybe you bring some extra people into the fold for them that are going to help support and you know potentially become fans. Uh, number two would be do as much streaming as possible, whether that's on YouTube for their videos. Um, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever, just, you know, 
anywhere you know that their music streams matter, um, which is most places, just just let that stuff play. Uh, play them as much as possible. It may not seem like a lot, but if a lot of people are doing it, that's going to be increased income for them, you know, based off the, the number of streams and, and things like that. Um, and then lastly, bands are always selling merch online. Um, I highly recommend going direct to their site, um, whether that's, you know, on their specific website or some bands use like Big Cartel or District Lines, things like that. But as directly as you can buy the merch, do it that way because that's going to get them the most money back directly. Um, buying their shirts in Hot Topic or wherever is good. I mean, you know, they're still going to get some money off that, but it it's definitely not the same um, margins and things like that. The the stores obviously take a, a pretty substantial cut of those sorts of things. So do all those things. Keep an eye on your bands. Um, some of them I've heard several bands you know, talking about doing like live stream shows and little like maybe Patreons so that people can donate a little bit of money and then get a performance since they're having to cancel these these performances. Um, you know, it's it's hugely important to them as well. So that's going to be pretty much everything I've got for you guys this week. Um, I just want to say again, you know, with all the things that are going on right now, um, be be smart about stuff. Um, social distancing, staying at home when it, it's possible, things like that. Um, it it's definitely important in helping to reduce the spread of any potential uh, diseases or viruses and and such. So. Um, that's that's everything for this episode. Like I said, I didn't want to get too political or anything with that. Um, I am going to play you guys Dirty Laundry by Vista to take us out. And just remember, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene. I'm not